all connected. Everything. You're listening to It's All Connected, episode 104. This is Russ, and with me tonight is John. I'm here to bargain. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're on a loop. I'm here uh, to bargain. <laughs> I'm here to bargain. I, yeah, I like the the different inflections that, that we got. That was pretty cool. Uh, but if, if you haven't guessed by now, we are here to talk about Doctor Strange. Yeah, so I guess if you haven't seen Doctor Strange, you may want to check back after. Yeah, skip this one. Uh, we'll put up 105 at some point, and then you can come back to 104 when you've seen Doctor Strange, because we are going to spoil the hell out of it. Uh, just John and I tonight, Matthew uh, couldn't make it, which is unfortunate, and uh, the other losers uh, decided they had better things to do than uh, record a podcast on a Marvel movie. On a Saturday night. Um Yes. Brad, I saw on maybe Instagram, posted his ticket stub in the theater. So he is there today. Uh, yes. So hopefully he'll be able to chime in at, at some point. Um, speaking of ticket stub, did you get the cool laminated oversized ticket? I did. It was, it was, you know, I was expecting a poster. I was expecting a small poster, and instead I got a very large ticket. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was cool. It was different. It's very, it's a thick stock and, uh, you know, like you couldn't fold it if you tried, like you, there's, you're not damaging that, like sticking it in your pocket. Like it's a real laminated, um, piece of artwork. Yeah. It's like credit card stock. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. And it's probably what, I don't know, four by seven or eight. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I, I guess I'll have, I, you know, I've got my, uh, IMAX 3D preview poster that we got for going to the pre-screening. Uh, so now that I have new space, so uh, I I actually moved my office, which is also my slash recording studio, into an empty bedroom. Uh, and so eventually this room is going to be butted up next to my other, my, my man cave. The wall is going to come down and it's just going to be one big room. So my wife is like, well, you're going to take it over anyway, so why don't you just start hanging your stuff up? So uh, so I've got fresh walls that I could put stuff up on. So, Oh, more Mondo space. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I, uh, I, just, uh, I went and uh, framed my Escape from New York glow-in-the-dark poster today. So Nice. That sounds like Escape. a hit with the wife. Uh, you know, it's funny. She was like, that is actually a really cool poster. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it, it may help that she's a huge Kurt Russell fan, so that uh, that, that goes a little extra extra mileage. Uh, but no, she saw that and she's like, yeah, that actually is a pretty cool poster. Some of the stuff I get, she's like, how much did you pay for that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and every so often she looks at one and is like, yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. So won a few points with that one. But yeah, so 
Like I said, Matthew couldn't be on tonight, uh, but John's schedule's a little more hectic uh, than normal. So whenever we can get him get get you on, and it's you know kind of you and I chatting, I always I always kind of prefer that. Matthew's on ninety percent of the other time, so uh, we've got a three week Agents of Shield hiatus coming up. So I'm sure in the next episode where we get Matthew back on, uh, we'll we'll let him chat on what he thought about Doctor Strange and get his thoughts. So. Uh, fear not, you, you know, for those of you that are fans of Mr. Arrow, you'll be able to uh, to get his thoughts on Doctor Strange in the next episode. Before we go full-blown Doctor Strange, I went out of my way to watch the last Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode because I was hearing a lot of things about uh, Ghost Rider and there was kind of a big reveal. Which I have not seen yet. Okay, I won't talk about the reveal. I will talk. <laughs> I will talk about uh, Ghost Rider on television. When I watch it, it doesn't look all right. It doesn't look bad. I don't go, "Oh, that's just terrible CGI," or you know, "This isn't working." It's not like that. But when I, when I watch Ghost Rider in a fist fight with a character from the TV show. I kind of stop and say, what am I watching? (laughs) Does that make sense to you? Like, I think Ghost Rider going super fast on a motorcycle, cutting in and out of traffic and, like, hitting people with a flaming chain, like, that is all kind of, like, super fantastic, shut your brain off, I'm buying in. But when you take him down to, like, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ground level and he's interacting with, like, regular characters and stuff, I don't know. It's like it was a little strange to me. Hmm. Um, And I know that it's been popular and a hit and a lot of people are saying, like, this is the best that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has ever been, uh, which is cool. I just I don't know if I can buy into it. Fair enough. Yeah, I am behind, so... For those of you, I as we record this, I just put up episode 103, which we talk about uh, the first two episodes of Luke Cage and episodes two, three, and four of season four of Agents of Shield. So, uh, a couple things going on. I I had an eight day business trip, which is really abnormal for me. Normally, I'm gone for a couple days, and uh, there was a kind of a really big project going on at work. They needed somebody. Extra, they needed extra body. So I was supposed to be gone for five days, which turned into eight days. So uh, it really kind of threw up the recording schedule. Combine that with this little thing that went on over the last few weeks called the World Series. Uh, And for those of you that don't know, I am an enormous Chicago Cubs fan. Uh, So this has been like a very uh, crazy, emotional, uh, happy time in my life, which, uh, you know, unfortunately, just due to that, it's caused... Everything in my life to pretty much become secondary uh, that isn't like my wife or my kids. So, uh, awesome. So now that all now that all that is over, uh, I think we're back on track. But but John, you and I are both both big baseball fans. So yeah, I'm happy for the Cubs. I was uh, I was rooting for the Cubs. I was nervous for the Cubs. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Like I'm a Yankee fan, whatever. So. My next choice in this situation would be the Cubs. If it was anybody except the Cubs, I would root for Cleveland. Sure, and I sure, think yeah. a lot of Agreed. people felt that way, and I think that's probably why it was like the highest rated game in you know how many years for baseball and all uh, all really good and and cool stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, it just kind of had put, you know, podcast recordings kind of took second fiddle to it. I'm like behind on TV shows. I'm, you know, behind on everything. So, uh, so anyway, so slowly getting, have you, getting back on track. Have you heard there's an election going on? Yeah, that, you know, I was going to talk to you about that and see if, you know, we've been wanting to start up another podcast. And I thought, what better thing to talk about on a podcast to put on the Internet than politics, especially the election? You know, there aren't enough politics on the Internet. No, 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 no. Come on. It would be fun. So, Doctor Strange, then. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We've clearly entered a, uh alternate universe. <laughs> in the multiverse yeah, that's for sure uh yeah so uh, let's let's start by talking about how we saw it so i went and saw it thursday night 10 o'clock imax 3d my son and i went to go see it uh i talked about this before on the podcast that that's really the way to see it i mean we i saw we both went and saw the preview footage uh, that little 12 14 minute scene uh on imax 3d and so that was the way to see it so it was kind of a no-brainer to see it that way when it actually came out, you know, for real. Uh, and I guess as we we talked about with the ticket, that's how you saw it as well. Yep, I caught it 7 p.m. So I guess that was actually the first showing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, went with a friend of mine who sort of found his way back uh, in town. And uh, it was a good perspective. I haven't really had a friend that was into seeing the movies. Um, the Marvel movies, I should say, and uh, it's good because he's he's not like total comic book geek. He just likes the Marvel movies, so you get that other uh, perspective on everything, which is cool. Yeah, but, and it was like packed. I mean, I know the the numbers are starting to come out for the first two days or, or whatever. The first weekend is going to be, I guess they're tracking like 75 million, Russ, or... I think 80 plus now, yeah, they're saying. I, yeah. I mean, the 7 o'clock was packed, and and now it's... You know, I actually said to my friend, I'm like, you know, when I came to see Dark Knight with my wife, uh, you had to leave an hour before the movie started to wait online to get a seat and then sit through previews. And it's a three hour movie (laughs) and the movie going experience was like close to six hours, I think. Uh, and now with the reserve seating and everything, it's like awesome. You just roll up, you know, at showtime and, and grab your spot. Yeah, I definitely, that was the other thing too, is we wanted to see it on IMAX 3D, but we were both like, I want to go see it in a theater where I can reserve my seating because you want to kind of sit towards the middle, you know, with 3D, because if you're off to the side, it can get a little funky, especially with IMAX. Uh, And like you said, I just, I'm not 21 anymore or 19. Like I don't want to get to the theater three hours ahead of time to make sure I'm not sitting front row or last row, you know, or behind the guy that's, you know, seven feet tall. So, uh, you know, for, for me, the whole assigned seating has been like a complete game changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the way to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised more theaters don't do it. And, you know, just because it's, it just eliminates from their perspective, it eliminates all the nonsense, you know, you don't have to worry that people are lined up, you know, where, you know. Especially big, big releases, you know, the Star Wars, the Marvel movies, the DC movies, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, if you've got them going on multiple screens and stuff like that, and you've got several hundred people, and it's like you got to snake all these people around, you got to hope like nobody gets into a fight, or, 
you know, just crazy stuff like that. You think it would just eliminate headaches to just know, like, people can just show up and sit down and that's all there is. But it's it's moving that way, I should say. Yeah, and the other uh, the other part is the reclining seats. Like, my friend has a list oh, yeah, of, like, yeah. which theaters don't have them yet. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, we're not going to that one. Yeah, it's funny. I get, uh, I think it's, it's AMC that I uh, subscribe to their little... Uh, like here's a free coupon for you know a, a soda when you buy a popcorn kind of thing every week, and they send me the emails. It's like, hey, this theater near you is being renovated. It's going to be motorized reclining chairs and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, ooh, that's good. That's <laughs> I know where I'm going next time I need to yeah. go to the movies. I'm yeah. going right there. I mean, we we've talked about it for you. Like since high def hit home theaters, we need a reason to go out to the movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're I think they're doing a I think they're doing a good job. They're addressing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the first step was letting you drink beer while you watched a movie. Uh so that that was, you know, kind of step one. And now step two is like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you could just lay back and watch a movie like you do TV at home? So And with a beer. Yes. Uh so yeah, that's 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 been been pretty cool. Let me let me interject here. I am not, nor claim to be, an aficionado or not super knowledgeable about Doctor Strange. Uh, I've read him off and on in the comics. Um, I've I've seen, you know, they've done a couple animated things that have been pretty good. With you know, he's he's shown up here and there, and they had that that animated feature with Doctor Strange that was actually pretty good. I don't know, it was about ten years ago. They they put when Marvel was putting those out a little more frequently. But most of the time, I read him as like he's a guest appearance in somebody else's book uh, through the years. Uh, I've I've read the oath, which you know we've talked about Doctor Strange, the oath on on this show just in general when talking about Doctor Strange. Um, his new ongoing series is really good. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to read, but I I just don't have that in depth knowledge of the character uh, like I do some of the other care you know some of these other you know MCU characters and even like the X Men and things like that. Yeah, I'm with you, and I'm probably even less. Uh... I think I've only read him, you know, in Avengers books and, like you said, team-up type situations. I guess when the Illuminati was, like, a big thing in the comics, I was reading right, right. more Doctor Strange. Uh, I did start the current book, which I am enjoying as well, and I, I never read The Oath. And I know they pulled some, at least one major scene in the movie right from The Oath. Um, I'm probably going to read that now, but I hadn't. And this was probably, you know, as we talk about how we didn't really know much about Doctor Strange going in, I would say this is the most standalone Marvel movie in quite a while. Agreed. Yeah. Even even more so, I think, than Guardians, because Guardians was still pretty heavy on the whole Infinity Stone thing, and with Thanos and uh, and everything else. I mean, up until this point, that one kind of seems separated enough but they they had those two big chunks in there that kind of pulled it back into being very closely tied to the larger narrative that they're telling with all these movies yeah and i think i think here there was one there was the line that officially revealed that the uh the eye of agamotto was the time stone and right, i think there right. was another line I think it was it was either Wong or the Ancient One that was saying we're here for when the Avengers fail, 
Like those yeah, were long, really the only yeah. mentions of of it. Right, right. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like that. It was. I mean, one of the positives. I mean, a I like the movie quite a bit. I mean, I don't know if I would put it in top tier Marvel movie. You know, because there's just so much. There's so many of them that are just so off the chart good that uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to put it up quite up up that high, but. You know, again, there, there's very few of them that you look at and even think they're kind of questionable. So uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I probably enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, but it was a really tight flick. I mean, it was well-paced. It was pretty well edited. You didn't feel like there was anything dragging or, uh, you know, it wasn't like a check-your-watch kind of movie either, which I know sometimes with some of them, I mean, even Civil War kind of had its pacing issues here and there. Age of Ultron kind of had some weird pacing, pacing issues. Um, and this one, this one didn't, I, I didn't feel like had any real pacing issues. Everything seemed pretty, pretty tight. Yeah. If anything, they towed the line for it being too fast. Uh, yeah, in the, yeah. Right. So, so in there. In their attempt to make sure the origin didn't drag the movie down, they may have skipped a few scenes, a little bit more training, maybe. You know, I've heard people say that it moved a little quickly and how is he that good, that fast, blah, 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 which, you know, I liked it. Like, we've seen enough Marvel origin movies that I I think they made a good move. Like, you got the idea. He's really good at this. Let's get to the building bending. Right. And the whole thing he he talks about where he got his MD and his PhD at the same time that you the whole point of him is he has aptitude, right? Like he he can learn things very quickly. And they they kind of make a point of it, too, where he's sleeping and his astral form is reading the books, which is how he's able to kind of go through this this stuff as fast as they could. So I. I mean, I, I understand that criticism that people are having where it's like, yeah, it was a little, it seemed a little quick, but at the same time, I think it could have really bogged itself down if they got completely engrossed in the whole, uh, you know, magic speak and, you know, really going crazy with like, this is how you do this. And this is how you travel to this dimension. And this is how you levitate. And this is how, you, you know, it just, it could have gotten really laborious. Uh, and I don't think it was really necessary. I, I think the bit where, uh, Wong is in in the library listening to Beyonce, which was hilarious. And he's he uses the the sling ring to kind of grab a book behind Wong's back, and you know it was kind of like a little mini montage, I guess you could say. Yeah. And to me, that was enough. Like that was the whole thing where this guy is really just trying to soak up every bit of knowledge that this place has to offer. Yep, and they give you the little tid. You know, I have a photographic memory. You know, like just right, enough right. to make you realize that he is, you know, really good at this again. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it didn't really bother me. I'd rather have it be a little too fast-paced than be too slow. I mean, because that, that just kind of kills it. So, so yeah, I thought, I thought it was well done there. I thought, um, you know, I guess the one thing when we talk about, like, Marvel tropes, right, it's the villain mirrors the hero, Um, but in this case, it's hard not to have that happen. You know, I mean, uh, some, sometimes I, I think, you know, the Iron Man movies have been a little guilty of that. 
you know, where the and same thing with like Ant Man and uh, you know Guardians was kind of an exception. This would be hard not to have the villain be tied into magic in some way. So the fact that you know Cassilius is the villain who's kind of this magician gone rogue uh, thing, and and then have Dormammu pop up that that really didn't bug me because it would be hard to kind of shoehorn something else in that didn't really fit with with the story they were trying to tell. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it in this movie. Now, the after-after credits yes. will tell you who's going to be the villain in the sequel, which to me, now you might be going to the well because it's kind of the same. Right, right. Um, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about the after credits and stuff, but, uh, you know, it was, it was either another sorcerer or, you know, a CG Dormammu probably, right? Like some other form of Dormammu yeah. and then you end yeah. up with like, you know, a spawn looking movie enemy or, you know, we've seen a lot of CG fights for the final battle in the Marvel universe and that doesn't always work so great either. Right, right. So I'm I'm okay, and Mads is like awesome. You know, I wish he had a little yeah. more to do, which again is kind of like a Marvel thing, right? But uh, but it worked well enough. You know what? Somebody either said to me or I read today, um, there wasn't a gun in this movie. Oh yeah, I didn't think about it, but and uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And Derrickson, that's the director's name. Yeah, yes, Scott Derrickson. Scott uh-huh. Derrickson. He, of course, he, um, he, you know, went out of his way and said, uh, you know, guns are the most unmagical thing, and if we were going to do this, it had to be like completely, you know, somebody shooting a gun at them wouldn't be any fun or blah blah blah. But whatever. So it was funny that I didn't even realize it. You know, when you think about it, all their weapons are like created out of thin air or their artifacts yeah. that turn into something. You know, there was no shooting. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I didn't. I mean, it's one of those things you don't really think about it um, until somebody points it out, and you're like, "Yeah, I didn't really notice that," but but it's totally true. Yeah, I just liked a lot of the. I mean, we we've seen it in the trailers, but just kind of seeing it live on screen, the reality bending. You know, the way that they bent the world around the characters to kind of influence their movement and stuff. I thought was really something original. Uh, you know, we've kind of seen reality bending and things like the matrix or um inception but i don't think i've ever seen it used quite this way where you're literally you know turning the world upside down and on its side to you know divert characters from meeting a goal like you know when when strange and mordor are running away and they open a portal and then you know Cassilius turns the earth so that they they end up sliding away from the portal they created i, I just i thought all that stuff was really original uh you know because one one of the things with some of these movies is things can get a little rote and you kind of see the same things over and over again so to do something visually that we haven't really seen in another marvel movie uh, or superhero movie even i i would i would argue was was kind of a refreshing thing yeah and great move opening with it yeah you know i wasn't expecting that no and it was you know again not as wrote, right? We're not going to start with the origin. We're going to start in sort of the middle and we're going to let you, you know, we're giving you the rules and letting you know what you're in for, like right off the bat. And that just, I mean, that locked everybody in. That's got to be one of the best openings of all of the 
Marvel movies. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I would argue maybe, uh, maybe Guardians, uh, you know, was was close there too. But yeah, I really, I really thought that was a good call because again, um, the the one that, the, and speaking of the opening, the one that really surprised me because I, I, I mean, I've even come out on the podcast not being a huge fan of is Tilda Swinton. And she kind of surprised me as the ancient one. I, I really kind of went in not being the biggest fan of her as an actress. And I thought she did an actual, I thought surprisingly, I thought she did a really good job. I guess I don't know too much of her stuff. Um, I really liked her in Snowpiercer, which is sort of another oddball role. Yeah, and I really didn't have much of an opinion besides that coming in, but I did like the way I, I didn't. I wasn't sure coming in that I was going to buy her as the ancient one, but I thought it worked out really well. Yeah, and 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 again, it was kind of a nice twist with her too, which which was you know because the whole time I'm watching it, not just the previews and knowing what I know about the movie and seeing Mordo and strange work so closely together uh and even up until the end of the movie you're like well how is it that more because i kept thinking okay at some point they're gonna have to make mordo a villain right they you know he's gotta he's gotta make that turn and you know how are they gonna do it because they seem to be working very tightly together uh and they drop some hints throughout the movie where you could tell his viewpoint was a little different than strange's and, and his background and what he'd been through they were very vague about what it was um, but to make it make it so that the ancient one actually was pulling energy from the dark dimension uh, and and using it, which is kind of what they were going after Cassilius for. Uh, granted, he did it in a much more overt and and uh, and in a, in a larger way. I thought that was kind of cool that 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 was the you know kind of the the way that they got Mordo to turn. Uh, and and of course, in the end, he realizes that. Uh, you know, as we'll talk about the end credit scene, but you know that that this power just ends up corrupting every. You know, the the person I thought that was the best uh, is no different than you know than the worst. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, I, w- I was reading something else, <laughs> and uh, Scott Derrickson was at a urinal and ran into Mister Feige, and I promise this is, this is going somewhere. <laughs> and he asked him how the Infinity War stuff was going along. And Feige said, I think we finally unlocked it. And it it clicked for me at that moment that they don't really know the story and how everything's going to tie together. They sort of like decide that they're going to do a movie and then they have to figure out how it's going to work. Right. So again, like you, great job. This is where I'm circling back to. Great job figuring out how we're going to turn, you know, Mordor against Doctor Strange and include what the, you know, the Ancient One has going on. And it worked really well. I, I thought the costuming was excellent. I mean, I really like the way, because again, that's another thing that could go really sideways in this kind of movie where everybody has robes and capes and belts and uh you know crazy stuff like that and in the comics you know it's, again it's one of those things works in a comic how's it going to translate to the screen and you know kind of like I, I guess i compare it a little bit to thor you know where where it's it's kind of 
has has those elements that the characters wear. And I thought they did a really good job with the with the costuming and the you know the robes where everything felt very layered. Um, and and it all just kind of worked. It wasn't too garish, uh, and it was it, you know the colors were fairly subdued, uh, and I, I just I just I just thought it was really really well done. Yeah, I mean, especially with Strange, right? Because he doesn't show up. Hey, I'm a superhero, and look at my fancy outfit. You know, like these are the these are this is the garb that he wore when he was studying in you know uh, not the temple. What's the word I'm looking for? Anyway. And, you know, and then you add the cape of levitation to it. And so, you know what I mean? It was like an organic sort of uh, cycle that he went through. It wasn't just like, this is my superhero costume and it's this really crazy red cape. And, you know, there was a reason for everything. Yeah, yeah. And and just to go back to, uh, you know, having a friend there that really isn't as heavily into it as me. You know, like, I see the cape, and I'm like, ah, it's really cool, cape of uh, levitation. And, you know, my friend walks out of the theater smiling, going, the cape that flies is really cool. You know, so they've <laughs> they've, got, yeah. they've gotten both audiences smiling. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was a cool way to interject some humor. Uh, because, you know, like most Marvel movies, there's, there's always humor. This one had a little more than I thought it was going to have, uh, and more so from the strange, you know, Doctor Strange than anyone. Like I just, I never read him in the comics as being overly witty. Um, so they, they didn't. He wasn't quite like Tony Stark witty. You know, he wasn't that over the top with it, or certainly not uh, like Star Lord witty, but just witty enough to where. He's surrounded by all these people that are very dry. You know, Wong is played very straight. Mordo is played very straight. So you can't have everybody play completely straight like that because then it's just like, it just seems a little lifeless. Uh, so they gave him just enough of the quippy humor to make it, to make it interesting. And so I, I thought some of the one-liner stuff that he had was, was actually pretty well done. Yeah, I agree. And, and as a fan of Sherlock, did you have a little trouble in the beginning with the non-British accent? Uh, I think I'd worked all that out by the time I saw the trailer in the preview. You know, like I wasn't, you know, until we saw the, the preview, I wasn't even sure that they weren't just going to let him keep the British accent. And maybe part of that was they didn't want him to be you know, they didn't want people on screen to be like, oh, it's Sherlock. Um, so, you know, maybe that's another reason why they, they made him have an American uh, accent. Uh, but it, it's still, it, it, yeah, I, th- I think I, I just worked all that out by the time the movie came around. Yeah, it went away for me. Um, I guess like in the opening scenes um, when he helps save that first man before the accident, like that conversation he had, uh, you know, in the beginning, I was like, man, that seems a little odd, like something's off. But then it kind of like went away quickly after that. Once you get used to it. Yeah. One of your uh, favorites showed up from the acting, uh, from the action genre in this one. Scott Atkins was in this, in this one. Yeah. You know, I saw him in the credits and I really, I didn't pick him out during the, uh, during the movie. I wasn't looking for him. Yeah, I wasn't either, and part of it was just the costuming and stuff, but he was the guy that Strange fought in the ER, like the one that really went after him, 
when when he was on the table and that he went into his astral form. I'm I I, I think that was the guy that he was fighting. Cool. So, how about the scene when the ancient one is convincing Strange? Yeah. And he flies through, you know, gets a peek at the multiverse and the hands popping out of his fingers, popping out of the hands. <laughs> yeah. That was some crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. It, it was it was a lot trippier than I thought they were going to go. Like, I really didn't think they would go that because, I mean, that was just some bizarre. Uh, I mean, the visuals in that were pretty off the charts. I mean, I don't know who whoever they hired to do the, you know, the design work and the visual effects work on that, but. But it was it was pretty good. I mean, it had like elements of two thousand one in it, um, you know, kind of mixed in with Inception, where you know there, there's just like things streaming by, and you're just kind of seeing bizarre stuff, and you know, combined with him just falling through the air. Uh, I, I I I guess I just wasn't. I mean, it, they made you feel like front and center. This is a mind trip of a movie. Like this is a corner of the Marvel universe that we haven't seen, uh, and. and you know, that, that's one of the things we've been t- wondering for a long time, right? Like, how are they going to deal with magic? Like, when they first said, hey, we're making a Doctor Strange movie, uh, you know, we started speculating way, you know, early on is like, are they going to tie it to some sort of technology? Are they, or are they just going to go full-blown magic? Uh, and I think the answer to this is mostly just full-blown magic. Uh, you know, I'm, obviously we got Infinity Stone in there, and then there's, I think there's some things that could be interpreted as technological, especially like, uh, you know, the, the staffs and, and some of the weapons. But for the most part, when they're just conjuring stuff out of, out of thin air, uh, you know, the way they talk about it is you're basically pulling energy from other dimensions and, and being able to harness it and utilize it, um, which sounds, sounds like magic to me. Yeah. I've heard multiple people say that they saw the quantum realm when he's falling in the scene that we're talking about. Now, I couldn't even tell you what the quantum realm looked like now without going back and watching Ant-Man. Not that really jumped out at me. Uh, you know, I mean, looking back at Ant-Man, it seemed like the when it was the quantum realm, it was very, like, geometric shapes, like diamond shapes um, and things like that that were kind of going by. So, I mean... It was like visual overload when all that stuff was going on in Doctor Strange, so it very well could have been something that mirrored something out of Ant-Man, and I was just kind of taking it all in that I I could have easily not, you know, just, just it, it just could have went right past me. Yeah. I really like the mirror universe. Yeah. I like the idea of it and the, and the effect itself, and it's funny because I was thinking... You know, the biggest deal in the MCU so far has been the destruction in New York and Sokovia. Right. Which pretty much ended up causing civil war, you know, and the, and the state that they're in now. And Strange could have put up a mirror universe and, and they could have done all their fighting and nothing would have got destroyed and no one would have gotten harmed that wasn't in there supposed to be doing the fighting. Yeah. Yeah. It also made sense because the one thing I kept thinking, you know, you're watching the preview and you're just like, well, how are they warping all this stuff and bending all this and running around and like nobody is, it's not like affecting anyone. Right. Uh, you know, and then when they throw that at you, it's like, oh, okay, that's how they're, you know, that's how they're working, you know, this, the, you know, this to be. 
And it just got, it got really crazy. I mean, with things like floating in and out and, you know, them running off of, you know, one plane and, you know, it, it just seamlessly going to another, you know, they're falling like thousands, you know, what looks like thousands of feet in the air and just landing on the side of a building and start running up it. I mean, it was just like, it it was pretty, like I said, it was pretty crazy. I mean, it, I just, it's one of those movies, you definitely could watch it multiple times because it's like your brain is just on overload just watching all, you know, just kind of trying to keep, it's like you're trying to keep straight, like what is actually happening here, you know? Um, you know, where are they? What, what What's going on? Uh, you know, because things are constantly changing and warping and bending and, and moving around. And so it was, it was uh, it, it'll be fun to rewatch it, you know, kind of knowing what, what's coming up and what to expect. Yeah, definitely. I, I, obviously, from the trailers and, and, and stuff, we knew that they were going to do some of that. I guess I didn't think they it was mostly going to be that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, most of the magic and effects work that way. Um, but it was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I'm with you. I can't wait to rewatch it and pause it and take a look at what's going on. Yeah, and the 3D, I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but all of this stuff in 3D was really a treat. Uh, and I think there's times where we watch 3D movies and, you know, if we see them in 3D or have a 3D in the house, and it's like, yeah, that's a cool effect. Yeah, we get some some depth. Uh, and it looks okay. Uh, but this was just one of those movies where, uh, like, universally people are saying, like, I'm so glad I saw it in 3D. You know, it was, you know, people recommending that people see it in 3D. Uh, and it just, it was just a really cool experience to see that stuff, you know, because you get the added depth perception, especially when things are, you know, warping and changing and turning. To have that added, you know, depth to it was really cool. And then just all the, the you know, the this glyphs in the conjuring and stuff like that when they're, you know, conjuring, uh, you know, shields and weapons and things like that. And to see that stuff kind of popping out of the screen and, uh, you know, and especially when strange was going on his little acid trip of a, uh, of a journey in the beginning of the movie, that was all that stuff worked really well in 3d. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those 3d experiences that I haven't really felt in a long time. I mean, it, it wasn't quite avatar level, but it, it was pretty close. I mean, you know, over the years I've recommended people, you know, it's very rare that I recommend somebody actually see a movie in 3D. Um, but but this is like highest recommendation to see it that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it really felt like it was made with 3D in mind rather than like converted after the fact or, you know, used as an afterthought. It definitely added to the to the story. Yeah, and it wasn't like an in-your-face. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this object out at the screen. So it, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't any of the gimmicky 3D. It w- it felt like a really natural, you know, 3D experience where they literally just took things that are floating and moving and just added the depth to it to just kind of give you that, you know, that sense that you're you're kind of in the experience. So yeah, especially when they were opening the portals with the sling ring. Yes. And then yes. you get that sort of the the portal is sort of in the foreground and what they're stepping into, you know, you're getting that feeling of depth like they're going into another place with the with the 3D which really worked perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that was a that was a definite treat. Um I you know, one of the things I thought I would see more of was easter eggs. Uh and I didn't and you know, like anything, the first time you see it you're just kind of taking it all in. 
there were times when they were kind of in the in the training area and in the library and in some of those other other places i was specifically looking at the objects and everything around to see like oh are they going to sneak something in uh i i didn't really see too much of that the one thing i mean obviously i don't even think it's an easter egg you know the cloak of levitation i mean that's just part of dr strange's garb from day one so the fact that they brought that in was not really an easter egg in in my book but uh mordo makes a point of saying like you'll get an object you know an artifact that'll kind of bind itself to you and mordo one of the he pulled that thing out and called it the the staff of the living tribunal uh and so i thought that was cool because the living tribunal is a character he's one of those cosmic characters in the marvel universe uh he's the one that has like the the head that has multiple faces on it um yeah i I, i'm kind of familiar with what you're he was the one not not to spoil it but i think wasn't it original sin where they found him dead on the moon oh right 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 yeah yeah and where people where i think that was the event because everyone's like oh what does this mean (laughs) like somebody killed the living tribunal we're all in trouble now right um kind of thing so i thought that was kind of cool it was this uh this nod and a wink and you know of course the you know the We've got the fifth of six Infinity Gems that have been identified now. So Strange being able to use and open up the Eye of Agamotto um, as as the Time Gem is the fifth. So the, right now the only one we don't know who has, where it where it's at, or what it does is the Soul Gem. So The only other Easter egg that I, I picked up on, and I was, ro- I was right and I was wrong, one of the Sanctum Guardians they refer to as Drum who I thought was Dr. Voodoo, a brother Voodoo. Um, Jericho Drum is brother Voodoo. The person who's the guardian of the sanctum, apparently they call him Daniel in one scene, and they call him Drum in another scene. And that's actually the brother of, of, uh, I keep calling him Dr. Voodoo, of brother Voodoo, the brother of brother Voodoo, who is the ghost that, like, follows him around and helps him. Okay, yeah. Um, so kind of a, a brother voodoo Easter egg. And I guess if they ever go with brother voodoo showing up in a, in a Dr. Strange, uh, movie down the road, they could connect those dots and have the ghost of his brother who was killed by, you know, uh, whoever he ended up getting killed by. Right. Um, so that's just the only other thing that I picked up. Um, like, like we said, really standalone, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you definitely don't have to have seen, you know, you didn't have to have seen, like, Guardians of the Galaxy or, or you know, any other movies to, to pick up what was going on. Yeah, I guess the only other Easter egg that I, we, we, I mentioned there was a connection to other Marvel movies uh, when we saw the preview footage, but I didn't want to spoil it at the time. But at the beginning, right before Strange has his accident... Uh, one of the cases that his agent or whoever it is wants him to take is a 48-year-old Air Force colonel that's, you know, paralyzed or, you know, what is it, fra- uh, like a crushed C7, C8 or something like that, um, and he decided to pass. So obviously that's a nod to Colonel Rhodes, who uh, was injured during Civil War. So, uh, you know, th- again, it just kind of shows you, like, where things take place, right? So that accident happened, uh, it sounds like, immediately uh, after Civil War, right? You know, as as that as that was going on. So yeah, the only thing that threw me off was they mentioned that uh, he was using experimental armor, 
and and you would yes. you would figure at this point that everybody would know like Iron Man and you know what I mean? Like it sounded like yeah. they didn't know anything about it, but it's definitely Rhodey. I mean, it, it obviously yeah. it's just kind of like a poor, you know, line, I guess. Maybe they're doing that so the public doesn't know. Like maybe they're just trying to keep it like that's the army just being or the, the you know, the, the armed services being the armed services. Like we're going to keep it hush hush and we're just going to give you some generic details like, hey, this guy was injured, you know, in this experimental armor. You know, but until you're on board and you know sign this confidentiality agreement and this NDA, we're not going to tell you who it is, kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's a fine uh, explanation. Like that's enough. You know, like it didn't. It's it's not a big deal at all. I just thought it was you know experimental armor at this point. You would think like, oh yeah, it was War Machine, or oh yeah, it was Iron yeah, Man yeah. armor. You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, now the other case that they talked about was really odd. And I'm I'm guessing it was really odd because they wanted him to say, oh, that's interesting, you know, like right before he crashes and stuff. But what was it like? Uh, somebody that had like an implant that was electrocuted by lightning. I'm like, that's got to be somebody who becomes a superhero. Yeah, it was a brain. It was a what did they say? A brain. I can't remember. the. It was an implant that was struck by lightning. Yeah. And then I was like, is that, you know, that's not how Captain Marvel gets any. She gets her powers like in space or something, right? Like she gets them from from. uh, Well, at the time it was Miss Marvel. So she gets them from Captain Marvel, the Kree Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, like she actually gets her power from him. Uh, Yeah, I was I was doing the same thing you were. I was kind of racking my brain because that seemed a little too abnormal, like the whole implant lightning like something yeah yeah i i kept you know some unless there's some obscure character somewhere that but i haven't seen anything online either where people have been talking about it so that that could have just been a, a throwaway I, I thought so benjamin bratt's character who's this guy that you know he that's how strange learns of of where to go and i thought well i mean he's not a heavyweight actor but he's fairly well known and I thought, well, that's kind of somebody big to have as small of a part as he had. Uh, and then when he, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the post credit, but he shows back up in the in the second post credit scene, uh, and I think it made a little more sense then. Uh, but I, I was glad to see like it wasn't just that little throwaway thing that that they actually used him for something else as well. Yeah, that was one thing that didn't seem something seemed off to me, like. This regular guy who, like, you know, went to the Himalayas or or where, wherever to heal himself, you know, he's like still in the city playing street basketball. Yeah, like it seemed like that would enlighten somebody enough that they would now be like a monk or they would be some, you know what I mean? I I don't know. He to for him to still be like a mechanic in the city. Like I guess you could argue he just wanted his regular life back and that's all. But the guy was through like some journey, you know, to yeah. still be like hanging out and, you know, playing hoops. But whatever. Again, like not a big deal. Just that was one thing when I was what when he catches up to him playing basketball. I'm like, really? This guy's like still just just hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Rachel McAd- McAdams' character, the Christine Palmer. So Christine Palmer 
one of the I guess the the night the characters that went by the night nurse in the comics. Um, so I guess she's the reason why they don't call Claire Temple from the Netflix shows. Like this was the reason they couldn't actually call her the night nurse. Um, not that I think they would actually refer to, you know, that's such a goofy name. Like I never expected whoever, whatever character they decided to give that role to like role as in like what she's, what her purpose is in, in the, in that universe. I never expected them to just say, oh, that's the night nurse. I always just figured they would just call her who she is. Um, so it didn't matter. It didn't really, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But uh, so I, I, but I guess Christine Palmer is the name of that, that actual character. And in the movie, she's an actual doctor and not just a nurse. So I liked her character. Yeah. I've seen, you know, more complaints about how Marvel can't find anything good for the female characters to do, but. I thought she was like way better than Jane Foster. Yeah, she was much, much more independent. Like she actually, again, it was one of those things where it could have been stereotypical, right? Like, oh, she's just the girlfriend of the hero. Uh, and they actually portrayed her. I mean, she didn't have a very large role at all, but they portrayed her as much more firm and independent. Like she kicked him to the curb. I mean, at his worst moment because he was being a dick. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and then in the end when he actually, he had, you know, came around and became a better person. And even then, like you could tell they kind of warmed up to each other, but it wasn't like the typical, Oh, here they go. They're going to kiss and walk off into the sunset. And now they're a couple and they're happy together. You kind of got the impression that, they'll still be friendly with each other, but they're not like together. Um, so I, I thought, I thought that was a good way to kind of break the stereotype of that, what that character typically plays in that kind of movie. Again, I thought she was a strong character. I'm a, I'm a Rachel McAdams fan. Um, I guess I really became one, um, from the true detective series that she's in. Not a great series, but, uh, she's great in it. Yeah, that was, I mean, we could do a whole separate podcast on that, but but that was a case of really great characters, really crappy show. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, totally agree. You know, well-written characters, you know, well, you know, well-acted, but the story was just like a mess. Um, yeah, that, 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 and, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And the scene um, we were talking about earlier that came right out of the Oath book is... Uh, when he, when Doctor Strange astral planes to help her save him. Yeah, yeah. And then one other nitpick, I have to do, you know, nitpicks. Uh, it was weird that when the, I'll call them ghosts, when the ghosts were fighting and she was working, like they would fly through walls, but then they would knock over her table. Yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah, they played a little fast and loose with, how how that that form interacts with the real world yeah i i thought the the defibrillator actually sparking his astral self was kind of a cool yeah was was a cool thing you know because you know there's still an attachment to the body but i agree with you I, when it kind of bumped in a couple places i'm like well wait a minute well, like why why like it didn't make sense to me yeah it's either you're and she it it was with her too like she heard them or saw them at certain yeah. times, but then they yeah. would pass right through her other times. But very, very cool though. Good, uh, 
good effects and and just a cool scene you know something that came out of the page that worked in live action which is always really cool in a, in a way to bring it back and ground it a little bit right because like it could have just been a non-stop you know reality bending world bending uh you know magic on magic and so a way to kind of bring it back to something grounded like he was you know really injured and really needed legitimate medical help and not just magic and you know spells and stuff like that so i thought that was kind of cool to 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 just kind of ground it again a little bit and then bring her back into it obviously you know that was you know the the story reason for it so yeah and he uh, one thing that i sort of pulled out of that was his main reason for for going to the ancient one was healing his body and he couldn't yes he couldn't do it and he still can't do it so like he's not even at full sorcerer supreme yet or he would be able to heal right. his own wounds right um and even you know in the after credit scene with thor which uh, i assume we'll get to uh anyway soon he's wearing gloves i don't know if you picked that up yeah yeah i'll have a lot to say oh, okay cool, cool. <laughs> we, we get to it um, but even when the ancient one goes down right like he he goes to pick up his scalpel and he can't he's still not there yet um and he, and he has to throw it over to Dr. West. You know, he has to be the one to perform the surgery. And and again, it's kind of like another way that Strange is kind of pulling back from his arrogance. So, you know, there's been a lot of comparison to, to the first Iron Man movie. And obviously that has a lot of to do with it where you take somebody that's completely arrogant. And then, you know, he goes through this, you know, life-altering experience and then becomes, you know, very altruistic. Um, I, I think this was more extreme i mean tony was he was self-centered but i never thought him as like a jerk and the near-death experience itself is what really snapped him back to to be a better person strange was self-centered and a jerk like i mean he was legitimately and like like a bad person um and the near-death experience seemed to just make it worse like you know he treated he treated christine his the worst when he was, you know, still in very, you know, like physically he was still in bad shape, which, you know, ultimately drove her away completely. And it wasn't until he kind of saw this larger world and and what it could do for him that he really kind of had this change of change of heart. So a little bit of a twist on that. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a strong arc. You know, I think it's a strong character arc. I think the story was, like we said, was pretty tight. They took some liberties moving it along, but they didn't skimp on the character building of Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, agreed. What did you think of the whole Dark Realm thing and how they portrayed Dormammu? Because that's something that could have gone really sideways. Um, I guess I didn't love it, but like I, I think I'd rather would have liked to seen him show up in a human form like just take a you know grab an act like a cool cameo actor and and make him take a human form i think that would have maybe worked better for me like the giant head was i don't know i didn't i guess i didn't buy it a hundred percent it didn't end up being bad i mean the, the the cg and the effects are are so good now and i know they put like the stripes kind of in his head which yeah. make him look yeah. like you know that's kind of a callback to what he looks like in the comics 
Um, I don't know, something about like just talking to the giant head. You know, it, it could seemed... have even just been a voice and you see nothing. Yeah. I guess because the Marvel movies, I hate to say grounded because that just seems kind of silly when you're talking about what they're talking about. But everything has been fairly normal-ish. Like even Thanos, right? He's like a real like a like a real person they didn't make him some disembodied you know thing and so even with the celestials they kind of kept it you they kept like traditional celestials so to have this kind of being that's somewhat disembodied in a big head it just felt like it didn't quite fit like the whole dark dimension thing i thought was fine because they you know they, they you, you know obviously they've talked about how you know there could be a tear in space and time and you know these things can kind of bleed through and we've seen portals open and those kind of things but yeah to see that happen and then just be like this weird disembodied head just seemed kind of it almost kind of had the whole cloud galactus kind of thing i guess that that kind of kept going through my head you know from from uh rise of the silver surfer yeah you know and it, it just that kind of so, yeah, I'm with you. I think it would have been better to have some sort of embodiment of that character, just if nothing else. Even if it was, like, really huge, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe they're just trying to go the outlandish, you know, like, hey, in a, in, in these Doctor Strange movies, there's going to be, like, giant talking heads and hands that grow hands. and Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the way that he used the time gem was really cool, though, like... When everything was, you know, when they went to Hong Kong and everything was destroyed and he starts moving time backward, but they were moving forward. Um, and then when Cassilius kind of broke out of it slowly, they started to break out of it. It was kind of cool because, you know, there's like a destroyed building and they throw him into the building. And then because time is moving backward, you know, the bricks and stuff formed around him. Like I thought all that stuff was really clever to see, you know, some people moving forward while time is moving backward. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really cool concept. And uh, the other thing I liked was they kept harping on you're not supposed to change the natural order of things because right, otherwise right. Doctor Strange can fix anything. You know what I mean? Right. Like because it looked yeah, he, like Wong was dead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, yes. And now they go backwards in time and he's alive. And that opens up a lot of possibilities in other, you know, why don't they just do that for Pietro? You, you know what I mean? Like, so, right, right. But now we, you know, yeah, we did it because it was necessary, but we're not supposed to mess with the, you know, and that just is like your safety. It, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Flash, right? Like when he goes back and does something. For everything he fixes, there's something else that gets screwed up. And so I kind of got the impression, because Wong was like very adamant about that. Uh, I got the impression that even though he rolled back time and fixed things, that somewhere something else got jacked up. Like, we didn't see it, but somewhere something bad happened. Um, and, and, you know, he made a point of talking about like divergent timelines and, you know, affecting different realities and, and things like that. So... I agree with you. It's like they made a point of saying like, hey, this is how we just can't, you know, uh, snap our fingers and just make everything right again. I thought it was cool how he got out of it. He had that little he cast that spell on his hand that just basically. Yeah. You know, because he kept, you know, he had a thing with watches, right? Like that was his whole, you know, he had the drawer with the watches and the watch Christine gave him that broke. So he's always like he seems to have a watch thing. And so the fact that he would use the time gem to give himself a watch that kept rewinding time, 
to to go over and over again for that one uh, event. I thought that was a clever way to beat the villain, where he was just like, "I'm going to drive this guy insane." <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were a lot of visual cues. Again, like something I'd like to rewatch for and stuff. Like I picked up on a few of them, like the watches. Like you said, one of them was definitely him shaving. Because I know that sounds yeah. funny, but there's a scene where you know he's going to the banquet and he's shaving himself, and yeah. then his hands are messed up, and he can't shave himself. And then he becomes Doctor Strange, and he has all of that growth from hanging around, you know, uh, in the temple and stuff. And now he shaves to the Doctor Strange-looking mustache. Right. So there's definitely, like, a shaving theme (laughs) going on. Um, And the hands, and the hand-watching, and how he... Uh, hand washing, not watching. Yeah, um, yeah. And he creates the spells that way, and of course, it's his hands that are messed up. And there were definitely some like visual cues that were that were done very well. He did something, and I can't remember. I don't think it was with the eye of Agamotto, but it was something where he forced his hands to do the typical Doctor Strange like three finger, you know, heavy metal thing, yeah. you know, um, because he couldn't physically. It's almost like he knew he couldn't physically move his fingers that way, so he used something to put him in that position. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think, did Christine shave him once when he was in the hospital too? Yes, she did. She did when he was when he was still in, had his hands on the thing in the in the stirrups, right? And he was sitting in the bed. She did shave him. Yeah, yeah. I I thought the concept of the multiple. Um, sanctums was cool like there's one in london there's one in new york and there's one in hong kong that kind of you know the way they talk about that well this is this is why the earth hasn't just completely been overrun by all these crazy interdimensional things like this is this is why we haven't seen it right um and it's it's the whole sanctum thing that's just protecting the earth and you know the london one gets destroyed and then they attack the new york one uh you know and that combined with okay the ancient one dies it would have been real easy, in my opinion, to be like, now he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He's in control of everything. He's he's the man now, right? And they made a point of saying, like, there's a almost like there's a period of chaos, but they tell him it's like, okay, the guardian for the Sanctum of New York is gone, so you need to be that guy now. Uh, so, so, again, it's not like... A little bit of break of convention, because normally, you know, new guy comes in, you know, skeptical. There's people that have been, you know, doing what it is forever. A new guy comes in, shows everybody up. Now he's put in charge. And I didn't get the impression that that's what was going on here. Um, in the at the at the end of the movie, right? Yeah, no, I th- I thought they they definitely broke some of the conventions, and a, a couple of them hung around. But it's almost like we keep banging on marvel for these problems that their movies have and they just keep like it works you know what i mean like whatever i guess we'd all like a better villain but the formula they're using is certainly working sure sure and you know they got to Again, it's one of those things. You've got to appeal to the masses, not to us. Right, and you, but because, you have to appeal to the masses, but you also can't 
make up a villain that was never in any comics because then sure. then right. the loud minor majority will yes. freak out. Yeah. But you got to be careful too because the one thing people get tired of is formula, right? And so if things become too formulaic, then people are just like, oh, it's just another one. Like it's, it's just more of the same. Uh, and we talked about this before, but one of the things I think the Marvel – method of movie making that they've done has done well is constantly changing up the style i mean you could argue that the iron man captain america avengers you know that grouping is you know kind of falls into the same mold but then they do things like guardians of the galaxy they do things like ant-man they do things like dr strange that don't fit that mold i mean you know guardians is much more space opera you know, pop music, uh, you know, older, older music, pop music, lots of humor. Uh, and then you have Ant-Man, which is almost like this comedy heist movie, you know, toned down on the superhero side. And then you have Doctor Strange, which is just kind of this trippy, uh, you know, magic-y, you know, based, you know, movie. And it varies it enough to where I think people just when they kind of think that everything is going to follow along and be the same thing, they do something that throws it in that kind of twists it a little bit and makes it fresh even if when you peel all that away if you're still like yep it's just still a story about a dude that you know was a was a jackhole and gets you know messed up and now he's a good guy again you you throw enough stuff on there uh, that it kind of masks over a lot of that and you kind of feel like it's it's something you haven't seen before yeah and you know i think for a while we thought that or they even might have told us that this was going to be like the horror corner of Marvel, um, which obviously it was not. And then it's like, duh, of course it's not. You know, <laughs> like yeah, they still yeah. have to sell a ton of tickets to kids and toys and and whatever. Um, but I am hoping that, you know, I was I was hoping for like let's visit this dimension and there are like creepy demon things there. Um, you know, I think maybe we'll get some of that as it moves forward. I mean, this, of course, was the origin, you know, at its core, it's the origin story. Um, right. But I would like to, I did like the trippy stuff. I would like a little more creepy. I think that would work really well and be like another different way to go. Yeah, I agreed. But, uh, you know, again, this is going to make like a stupid amount of money. So... Changing yeah. it would be an idiot thing to do, something that we would do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we got two after credit scenes. And the first one, so I, I totally avoided any spoilers. I know there's a lot of talk about the post credit scene before the movie went up and who directed it and all that. And I, I totally tried to stay away from all that. Um, so the post credit scene, the first one, is... Strange sitting there in the sanctum speaking to somebody um, and talking about how, you know, uh, you know, he, he keeps track of, you know, beings from, you know, other beings from other dimensions and worlds. And um, we find out it's Thor. And, you know, he talks about, well, you know, the whole bit with the beer was was kind of funny. Um, you know, he gives him the big mug and yeah. keeps refilling it. So I thought that was funny. Um, but he says, you know. Well, your you your brother is here. Why did you bring your brother to New York? And he says, "Well, you know, I'm looking for my father." And he says, "Okay, so once you find him, you'll 
you know, you'll you'll bring him back with you. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. So he, he says, right, let me help you. Um, and, he, and he gets up. So a couple of things. One, those gloves look really funky. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't they looked weird. Like, I can't even they looked like leather falconing gloves. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that just kind of seems weird. I mean, because Doctor Strange wears gloves, and obviously you can't really do from the comics because they're like, you know, latex gloves with kind of weird, like, Kirby speckly dot things on the, you know, the forearm portion. But they felt really, I don't know, it just looked odd. Like, I don't know if that was like a last minute thing they threw in there or, um, or what. So... And then I was wondering, that, is it just like a fashion thing or is he covering his yeah. hands or, you know, like, I don't know enough about the character. Like, did he not want people to see his hands or? Yeah, yeah. I don't Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in the comics, I think it was just like this is just part of his costume. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. Um, but I could see, you know, I mean, his hands are pretty scarred up, so I get that. But I just would have expected something maybe a little more utilitarian, like something that actually you could still function with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it just seemed kind of odd. But uh, but then the, the bigger question is, like, when does this scene take place, right? Like, is this before Ragnarok? Is this after Ragnarok? Is this in the middle of Ragnarok? Like, it, it wasn't really clear, like, when this took place. Um, I think we're going to see it in Ragnarok, just like we saw the Winter Soldier clip. Um. When did they tag on the Winter Soul? It was Ant-Man, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Ant-Man. And then we saw that exact scene in Civil War, not Winter Soldier. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think we'll see this in Ragnarok. Like, at some point, Thor goes to Doctor Strange for help or whatever. That'd be cool, because if that's the case, like, they've kept it pretty under wraps, because I don't think they've officially... Like, there's been nothing out there that says Cumberbatch is going to be in Ragnarok. So, if that's the case, even if it's a smaller camp, and maybe this is like a, it ends up being like a, you know, like a Falcon appearance in Ant-Man, right? Like, that was very hush-hush. I didn't know what happened. I mean, I, it totally caught me off by surprise when, uh, when it happened in that movie. Like, I didn't know it was coming. So, maybe that, that's what this will be. He'll have, you know, not a lot, you know, long, you know, he'll have a scene in that movie to right. kind of get it, which, which would be cool. Um. It, it now let me ask you this for me it seemed odd like the whole like their interaction the pace of it it seemed like they filmed it in a hurry like i don't know if you kind of got i don't know if it seemed out of kilter to you or maybe it was just me yeah i think it was the way they were interacting it was like they didn't know each other but they were it was kind of odd. I think when you pull something like that totally out of context, it's it's going to seem a bit odd. I can't put my finger on it either. Like, I wanted to believe they were, like, buddies, but then it didn't seem like Strange knew him really and was questioning. Like, he wanted them off Earth. Yeah, Like, yeah. I'm going to help you. Oh, well, all right, well, then I'll help you, and then you'll be gone, right? You know, like, yeah. like that sort of thing. And, and the whole refilling the beer mug thing... You know how, like, they used to do, like, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, like, when they would do, like, you'd watch Bewitched, and, like, stuff would appear and disappear, and they would just, like, you know, have somebody hold pose, and then they would, 
like stop the camera, yeah, they yeah. would put it back in their hand. <laughs> it, yeah, it it felt like that. Like it felt I don't know, man. It just it felt weird. Like I can't I can't exactly put my finger on it, but there's something about that scene that just seemed like either well, un, like they weren't comfortable reading the dialogue, and then there was the weird cut stuff. Right. Like, well, also it's and this is stupid because it's filling a beer mug, but. Doctor Strange's powers don't work that way. Like, he should be, you know, making some kind of formation with his hands that creates, like, something that carries a new pitcher of beer to Thor. Yeah. You know, he doesn't just wink and fill, you know, now he can create liquid. And, like, (laughs) and it's a stupid thing to harp on because it's just this tag-on funny scene or whatever, but... You're right. It like did that. That's not taking the time to say, "All right, how did Doctor Strange's powers work?" You know, make a little spark come out of his hand that you know. Then it fills up the glass. You know, yeah. It just seemed like it was, like I said, it just seemed a little rushed. And maybe it's because it was. I mean, maybe it was just like, "Hey, man, you've got two days to film this thing. (laughs) Um, You got to grab everybody together and just make it happen." Like. You know, maybe maybe that's all there was to it, and they just kind of did the best with the time they had to get done what they needed to get done. Yeah, and that's just the way it is. Um, so anyway, I, I mean, overanalyzing, being overly critical. I thought it was cool. I, I thought it totally made sense that Thor would be like a part of this. You know, because it talks about other dimensions, other realms, other you know places and things like that. So it definitely, I could definitely see some intersection there uh, with the with the you know, that corner of the Marvel universe. So, yeah. So it made me laugh. I mean, it was funny. So I, I, I appreciated it. Uh, It's funny. You know, I, you watch that scene and you watch the little thing that Hemsworth did with, uh, with Ruffalo about where Thor, you know, where they were. And you're like, holy cow, you know, we haven't seen Thor in like a long, you know, since age of Ultron or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. So yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was good. Uh, and then we get the the true po- like the post credit scene, um, and it's Mordo showing back up uh, with Benjamin Bratt's character, um, uh, Jonathan Pangborn, and he takes away he, ba- he basically takes away his magic. So you know, we find out you know like we talked about earlier that he was the one that told Strange where to go. He went to. Uh, to Tibet and learned and just basically said, okay, yeah, I'm cool. I learned to heal myself. I don't need, you know, I, I'm not into all your saving the universe kind of stuff. I'm just going to go back and, and do my thing. Have a good day. And, uh, and then, you know, Mordo shows up and you know, obviously they know each other. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was cool because again, it kind of explains where Mordo's coming from in that the way to keep people from being corrupted by magic is to just make sure that nobody is using magic. Um, yes, I, I do like, you know, like a hunter of the sorcerers, you know, like I think yeah. that's a good, I think that's a good way to go, almost like the Jedi Order or, you know, the, uh, what was the Order? And um, um, take away my geek card. Yeah, you know, but they, the Order 66 or whatever the hell it was yeah, to yeah, kill yeah, all the yeah. Jedi or whatever. Right, like that, right. That's cool. Like that'll work. Yeah. And it's a good motivation because, again, he feels deceived, right? He was totally in on the Ancient One, like full bore, totally committed, you know, and believed in what she was doing. And then, 
you know, his world kind of got turned upside down when he found out that no, she's no better off. She's no better than their worst enemy. Uh, and so it really kind of threw him for a loop. So I, I get that and it, and it makes sense. Um, it's, you know, it's funny. These, these post-credit scenes sometimes can be irrelevant, superfluous, you know, goofy, um, meaningless. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to see a post-credit scene like this that was very relevant to the movie. I mean, this was, you know, this wasn't just like, you, you're missing something if you don't see this. Whereas some of them you can argue, it's like, okay, if you didn't see it, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and, and there, you know, it's funny, I, Aaron Newworth, you know, our, our podcasting buddy, Aaron, who, who does, you know, writes movie reviews and, and Blu-ray reviews and stuff like that. And one of the things he was talking about was he thinks that these scenes were out of order. Like the, the Mordo scene should have been first and then, and then the Thor scene second. And I mean, in general, I'm like, okay, but you know, in the big scheme of things, it like, it doesn't really matter whether one came before the other. Yeah. But, but I can see if you're not one, if you're just one that's like, look, I don't want to wait till all that post-credit mumbo jumbo. Normally it's just a bunch of BS. I could see where from a, from a poignant to the story standpoint that, yeah, I could see where it would have been better to have the post-credit scene relevant to the movie first. So there were definitely people leaving after the first one. Same here. Yeah. Same here. So overall, I think it's yeah, it good. Yeah. I, I'm like, I really liked it. You know, I, I'd say it's like top third of the, of the Marvel movies for me. It's the bottom of the top third. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be curious. I haven't really sat down and kind of re-rank things in a bit. But, uh, but yeah, I'll be curious to see. Like, I think I maybe like this better than Ant-Man. Um, I think. But, you know, I, I think, I, 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 think it li- I like it better than both Thor movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, with you there. I think it was v- it's very tight with Guardians for me, and I know I like Guardians hmm. a little bit less than most people. I thought it did the humor without sabotaging the seriousness of the movie. Well, Agreed. where Guardians, like the dance scene, like almost ruined the movie for me. Yeah, and it was like that for a lot of people. Yeah, so I I actually rank it like higher than Guardians. I still like my two, my Civil War, my Winter Soldier more. You know, I love Iron Man two because I think it's really what started the whole connections thing. So it's somewhere around like fifth or sixth or something like that. And we did. Yeah. Um, before I forget, we put up a Survey Monkey on. <laughs> the Facebook page where you can just click the link and you can rank the Marvel movies for yourself. And I don't think it'll show you guys the results after, uh, but we already have a bunch of people from the Facebook page that have voted. We want to get like as many as possible. And in the future, we'll kind of give like a rankings update, you know, based on what you guys say, which is, which is fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to definitely uh, go through that poll and, and see how it, how it all shook out. I think we did it one time where we, when we rank them, we rank them with all of us and we treated the audience as one vote. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. 
So it'll be interesting to see. And obviously that was some time ago. I mean, that was before phase two was done. Uh, I think it was before even Age of Ultron. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out um, and how that was done. Let me do, before we we get to, to the contest business, um, we did get a few. Uh, I put something up kind of late uh, just saying, hey, we're recording tonight. Um, to talk about uh, some Facebook feedback. And uh, so we got a few responses here. So I'll go through those super quick. Um, um, Hadley Wilkes said, uh, the sequence where the ancient one shows strange, the multiverse for the first time is astonishing, incredible, surreal, scary, wonderful, all at once. Uh, but I've been thinking about how the battle at the end between strange and Cassilius's followers, when he has activated the eye of Agamotto, it is a fantastic piece of filmmaking. Having the actors and their stunt team fit their performances to the action in reverse must have taken some planning. Just thinking about it is quite mind-bending. From a technical point of view, it must be one of Marvel's best films so far. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think I agree with a lot of that. I mean, we, you know, obviously in the last hour and change, we've we've talked about that. But you know, just being able to to pull off a lot of that uh, from a, from a technical standpoint is, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, in the other movies has been a technical feat for other reasons, you know, specifically civil war and just all of the characters and the fighting and stuff. Um, but we haven't really seen one where the environment is really, um, a, a huge technical hurdle. So, right. So that was cool. Um, John Davis said, I, I was only disappointed in the movie because I didn't see it in IMAX 3d first. Uh, go, go, uh, go to see it like that. Best part was having a finale. That was not a huge battle or involve huge crashes. Happy to see there might be a cameo in the next Thor. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. Like there wasn't like this huge, um, knockdown drag out. Like it was, it was a lot more subtle, you know, with, with strange and Dormammu. Right. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a little more battle of wills and, and wits than, you know, just pounding somebody in the face. Um, Michael Savick said, talk about what time frame the movie happened in when they referenced the experimental military pilot with some kind of Twisted Spine was that guy from Iron Man who was trying to trying out one of the Hammer's suits. No, I don't think that I didn't get that out of it because they specifically said an Air Force colonel um, who was paralyzed with uh, an experimental suit. So I don't think it was that scene you were talking about from Iron Man 2 where the the guys were trying to co-opt Stark's tech. Interesting, though. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think of it either. But I, I don't. I don't get that. That's where it is. I, I, you know, Marvel's been pretty good about these things following along chronologically in real time. You know, they kind of things kind of happen yeah. sequentially. I mean, obviously, except for kept the first Captain America movie. Um, but other than that, and even then, the bookends pretty much fall in line with with everything else. Something's just bugging me about the wording of that. Like, wouldn't they know War Machine? <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? Like you would think you need to he's get a, there and help War Machine. He's been paralyzed, not yeah. an army colonel in an experimental suit. You know, like I, I don't know. It's stupid, but I, I guess it's like in the Netflix show they do the same thing, right? They talk about the guy with the hammer or the big green guy or the flag waver. Like they, I don't know. It's like sometimes they just for whatever reason they don't say Captain America or Thor. You know, it just it's kind of weird. Like they or they talk about New York as the incident. You know, it's just it's it's these weird things where they don't just outright say what it is. They kind of beat around the bush about it. Right. 
Um, he also went to say it was awesome they referenced a living tribunal. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, I hope he appears in the Infinity movie. However, given that he is the most powerful character in the universe, the staff of the living tribunal seemed incredibly underpowered. Yeah, I you know I think some some of it is depends on the wielder or the you know whoever's wielding the staff as opposed to the staff itself. Um, said also don't forget to rank it with the other thirteen movies. Uh, I think we'll hold off on that. I think I, what I found is sometimes when these movies are fresh like this, I find it hard to to kind of. I think the post movie hype gets gets me a little up on it. You know where I tend to rank it a little higher right out of the shoot than I would, you know, giving it some time to kind of settle for a little bit. I always have like, I wouldn't say very different feelings, but I always have new feelings after I get the Blu-ray and watch it at home. Uh, yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, your perfect case in point for that for me is like after Civil War, I was like, Avengers will always be number one for just a, a variety of reasons. And a lot of it is just, it's just the whole newness and the first time kind of thing. Um, but after civil war, I was like so hyped on civil war. And then I went back and watched winter soldier and before the blu-ray for civil war came out. And I was like, no, I think, I think this is definitely better than civil war just, uh, for, for subtle reasons. But, but again, I think like I get, I get really hyped up after seeing a movie because it's new and exciting. And I think that skews my, uh, my viewpoint of, of, of the movie itself. So, I think sure. we'll give it maybe a little bit of time. Maybe after we the uh, we get the audience rankings, we'll we'll revisit uh, the our our order. Cool. Um, okay, so that was that was all the feedback. I appreciate that. Uh, so the last uh, thing we're going to talk about. So we ran a little contest uh, that I mentioned several weeks ago. I think it was episode one hundred and one. I think I first talked about that. Maybe one hundred and two. Um, we said we would announce it on the Dr. Strange show. So here we are. Um, and the contest is for a civil war collector's core box that I received an extra one of. Um, and so the winner, which we will pick at random, uh, will get the box shipped to them. Um, and then the kind of the sweeten the pot a little bit. Uh, we had you pick team cap team Iron Man. Um, so 67.9% percent of you that of that sent in your votes either via email twitter or the facebook page um and then get an extra kicker for liking, liking the alpha dads page um it was 67.9 percent of you picked team cap and 32.1 picked team iron man so um so that's kind of how that shook out so i am going to randomly pick a winner um and if that winner happened to be team cap then uh, they will get not only the collector core box, but they will get their choice of phase two movies uh, digital code um, provided by Mr. Dallas Stumler, which was awesome of him to do that yes. for us. Um, and then we've got the other digital codes as, as well that we'll kind of meter out. So we'll we'll probably just do little contesty kind of things um, over the next several episodes to, to just kind of meter them out. Um, and get folks uh, engaged in the podcast. So we'll, we'll figure something out uh, to make that work. Okay, so I did pick a winner. Uh, the winner is Connor Graham. Uh, he posted on our Facebook page um, and received an entry. Uh, he picked Team Iron Man, though, not Team Cap. So he does win the Collector Core box. I will reach out to him directly, get his 
details information and get this box shipped out to them. Um, so that means all of the digital uh, phase two movie codes are still in play. Um, so we will, like I said, we've got uh, quite a few movies that we can meter out. So there'll be lots of cool goodies coming up uh, in the near future. So uh, I want to thank everybody for participating. Uh, we had a lot of participation, uh, a lot more than I think any other contest that we've run to this point. Um, and it was great to see it didn't all come from the Facebook page. It didn't all come from Twitter. Um, it was, you know, predominantly it came from the Facebook page, but there was a lot of engagement in Twitter. There was quite a few emails that I received. Um, and then we got quite a few likes on the Facebook page for the new Alpha Dads thing that John and I have going. So um, I just want to thank everybody for participating. Yeah, so we'll we'll announce something in the future. Like I said, we got a lot of movies to give away. Maybe we'll double up a few of them uh, to do that. So again, thanks everybody for participating. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to our, our Doctor Strange episode. Uh, John, is there anything else that you wanted to add in on the movie or anything else? No. Good time was had by all. And um, yeah, thanks. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you know, as always, head over to facebook.com slash MCU podcast. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at MCU underscore podcast. You can send us an email at uh, IAC at HHWLOD.com if you'd like. Uh, you can send us a voice message. Uh, you can, uh, and Brad told me the old number is still valid. And like a bozo, I forgot to make sure to write that number down. So you could actually still call and leave us a voice message. Apparently that number is still active. Uh, so I'll get that for next time. I'll, I'll, I'll post up the number for next time. Um, yeah, and so we got a few weeks hiatus of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So the next episode we do... Uh, we'll be covering the couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we let lapse. Uh, we'll be doing the next two episodes of Luke Cage. Uh, and then any news that pops up. So we'll have a few weeks to get caught up. We'll probably knock out some Luke Cage, talk about any news coming up, uh, and things like that. So be on the lookout. What's the next movie, Russ? The next movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? It is. And then Spider-Man Homecoming. And then Thor Ragnarok. So we get three movies. This will be the first time. So 2017 will be the first year we get three movies. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Iron Fist. And Iron Fist. It's like Christmas four times a year next year. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. <laughs>